welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we are the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And on today's episode of Spawn, we are going to be talking about sanctimonies and mommy shaming, what we can do about it, and how not to be one, because that matters too. <laughs> Indeed. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. But first... We'll be right back after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Don't Wait Up, a candid, hilarious collection of essays on motherhood from Liz Astroff, the award-winning TV comedy writer and producer of Two Broke Girls and The King of Queens. In this funny book of essays, Liz embraces the reality of motherhood that no one talks about. Perfect for folks who love books like our friend Jenny Lawson's Let's Pretend This Never Happened. Don't Wait Up is an honest look at parenting and relationships for moms who realize that motherhood doesn't have to be your entire life just an amazing part of it you can find don't wait up on amazon.com or wherever you buy your books this episode of spawned is also brought to you by ritual the obsessively researched multivitamin designed for women by women ritual contains nine nutrients that are difficult to get enough of every day even with a healthy diet so instead of taking a handful of five to eight vitamins ritual makes it easy with two capsules a day order online at ritual.com for around a dollar a day ritual is delivered to your door monthly so you can stay on track with your new healthy habit try ritual today and get 10 percent off your first three months go to ritual.com slash spawned to start your ritual today. That's 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash spawned. Okay, Liz. So I know that you slept in a little bit this morning. I did. I had a nice summer morning waking oh. up at, after eight o'clock, which never happens. I, yeah, I, pretty I don't remember the last time that has happened to me and it did not happen today. I was up very early and I had oh. been perusing Instagram and noticed in Jessica Simpson's feed that her oldest daughter had um, gotten her hair dyed, like just like the ends. It looked so cute. And it's kind of weird. I was looking at the photo last night and I was like, oh, was super cute. So that's kind of weird. And then this morning I woke up to all this hubbub about how people were angry and frustrated and shaming her because she had her daughter's hair dyed. Yes, with all the things going on in the world right now, yes. the thing that angers me most is Jessica Simpson's daughter's hair tips. <laughs> That really is problematic. There are kids in cages at the border, but you know what gets me really mad? Pink hair. <laughs> like, ah! I know. I know. And it's funny. So what <laughs> I did is I posted a couple photos because all of my girls have had their hair dyed. Quinlan was a little older, but I know Bridget and Margo were both pretty much the age that her daughter is right now. Yeah. And so I kind of posted them tongue in cheek. Yeah, Thalia, when she was, I think, 10, yeah. she got her hair half hot pink. I know. We've all, we're, like, this is like old news in a way, like old shame <laughs> back again. <laughs> well, I think the good thing about this topic is that mommy shaming is kind of evergreen. I don't know if it's a good thing. It's a good thing for the podcast is that this never goes away. Apologies to our listeners with little kids who are just discovering the world. I'm like, what? You formula fed? Oh, you breastfed in public? Welcome to the world. <laughs> it will never end. But the good thing is there's a lot of ways to deal with it and make it not your problem, NYP. And also, we want to talk about how not to be one because I think we all can be yes. sanctimonious at times. I agree with you. So I think people are going to really get, number one, how to deal with it. Number two, how not to do it. But also, I like how you kind of did a little data nerding deep dive. I did. Yes, because people often get shame and guilt confused. And our dear friend, we love her, Brene Brown, has written so much about it. So if you want to do like a super duper data nerd on this, go watch Brene Brown's TED Talk. We'll link it up on our podcast page because she, this is her specialty. She has actually done research on shame. But what did you find, Liz, when it comes to like the difference between shame and guilt? So besides the fact that every article about it quotes Brene Brown, so you might as well watch her <laughs> yeah, go to the talk source. to get the source. First of all, there's an article in Psychology Today about, you know, how to respond when someone shames you. And they really talk about the difference between shame versus guilt, which I think is an important distinction. And yes. here's what they wrote. So research 
research shows that shame and guilt, while sometimes connected, are very different emotions. In the best of circumstances, guilt or an acknowledgement of wrongdoing can lead to positive change in a person's behavior. Shame, on the other hand, is a way of closing a person down. And research shows that shame, humiliation, and emotional and physical abuse are often closely connected. So if you feel beat up or abused when you feel shamed by someone, you know what? It's connected to Mm. abuse. So there's a reason. And if you are shaming someone accidentally or not so accidentally, you are being abusive. And I think that's a really important thing to acknowledge right off the bat. Shame can make you have the same feelings as someone who's been abused. And that's why we want to talk about it. So even though we keep things a little light, there's like some serious stuff down at the, the heart of this. Now, the interesting thing I also found. So there's a psychotherapist named Joseph Burgo, and he wrote a book I have not read yet called shame, free yourself, find joy, and build true self-esteem. Which, hey, right on topic. Yes. And he wrote a really good piece in Vox earlier this year that we will also link up on Cool Mom Picks. And it's about how shame has roots in evolutionary science. And here comes the data nerd. nerd. (laughs) So... Basically, humans developed the ability to feel shame because it promoted social cohesion, right? So we used to be tribal societies, Kristen, and so if there were members who violated the rules, you'd be shunned and shamed, and the fear of that experience and that pain would encourage members to obey the rules and work together for the good of the tribe. Fascinating. Yeah. Now, also, think about how, like, a lot of organized religion uses shame as well to, like, kind of keep you in line and keep you within the bounds of the faith. Like, it's this is a very common thing in tribes, whether you know, it's it's personal tribes or like actual tribes that we used to live in way back when. But he also wrote that shame no longer unifies us by defining acceptable values. Instead, shame now divides us into separate groups who use shame to define the other, in quotes, and set ourselves apart from them, as if to say, we are full of virtue and they are beneath contempt. Does that sound yeah, familiar? That sounds very familiar. Yeah. Funny. So when people are shaming you, they're trying to say, like, I am a better person than you. And that comes from, like, some deep-seated crap on their end. And we'll get to that. Yeah. You know, when I had the blog Mom 101, I wrote a post called The Sanctumami. And oh my God, Kristen, this is from 2006. I can't believe it's almost 14 years ago. I know. That's insanity. 13, 13. (laughs) Let's not date me. Um, And so it, it blew up. And I didn't invent the phrase. It was from message boards. But the New York Times ended up crediting me for the popularization of Sanctumami and uh, included it in their buzzwords of the year in 2006. And the whole point of it was that I, you know, with my one-year-old, knowing everything, as one does when you have a one-year-old. Of course. One full year of parenting. You know everything. I don't think it was even a full year if it was 2006, (laughs) to be honest. It was probably like nine months. Anyway, I was like at some gift shop at some hotel, and I heard this mom saying to her child, you know, like, okay, fine, but just one Snickers before breakfast. And I was like, the horror of this parent. How awful. She's terrible. I went to write back and write a whole post about it. And then I realized like, oh my God, we are all Sanctumamis. We are. We, it's, it's like, I was thinking like how horrible she was. And we talk about how terrible Sanctumamis are. And then we realized, you know what? It's in all of us. We all have things that trigger us. And we all have the ability to think like horrible things about other people and their motives. And that for all I know, he was dealing with the death of a relative. Maybe she's dealing with something really tough in her life and just needs to like give the kid a win that morning. Like we don't know. We're we're just like catching a moment in time. All I saw was this woman for one minute in a gift shop, and I like had this whole thing in my head about what a horrible parent she was. And it was awful. And so the Sanctumami, the article, wasn't really about calling out other parents as much as it was about calling out ourselves and acknowledging that we all have this ability to shame others in us and we can be a little more aware of it. Right. But let's be honest here. Like some of this stuff, right, like the hair dye, the Snickers bar, like the Coca-Cola in a baby bottle sort of sends me for like a bit of a loop, to be honest, completely honest. Those things are generally harmless, right? Like, okay, maybe we could say like Coca-Cola in a baby bottle and a Snickers, like not like completely harmless, but overall in life, like it'll be okay. But then there are the things that can be dangerous. Let's think about like for you, I know it's like anti-vaxxers and for me, It's like spanking your children. And so, like, have you thought about 
where you draw the line? Like, is it really being a sanctimommy when it's something that could potentially hurt your child and other children? Or is that just being a parent with values? <laughs> yeah, I think it's totally reasonable to be concerned about things that we believe are hurting children or hurting others. That's great. That's positive. That moves society forward. I think the question, though, is to really examine whether the thing truly is hurting people and how to talk about it. So, for example, for me, anti-vaxxers, sorry if any are listening, although I doubt it because <laughs> based on past shows, they're probably like, 10 with you. Um, <laughs> I have a real issue with that. Like, I believe in science and I believe in, you know, herd immunity and that it's really important to not just protect your own kid, but to protect my kid and all the other kids of the world by doing what science has proven is the right thing to do. And so it makes me really angry. But that's not the same as going into a forum and intentionally shaming people or saying, you're a horrible parent or you're terrible or you should be forcibly sterilized, which is the kind of things people say when they encounter someone whose beliefs are different than theirs or they believe are worthy of shaming. But I also try to remember that people who are anti-vaxxers, they think what I'm doing, they truly, truly believe that vaccinating your kids is killing them and hurting them and that the pharmaceutical industry is lying to us all and that we are all doing a terrible thing. So if you kind of look at it from that perspective, maybe it makes you change how you approach that person because it, deep in their hearts, they think we're the ones who are hurting our kids. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, they're wrong, but... <laughs> of course they're wrong. Of course they're wrong. I mean, listen, the spankers are the things that get me, right? So, like, spanking kids or, like, hitting kids as a means of discipline. Like, I feel similarly about anti-vaxxers, actually. But, you know, like, for me, the hot button would be spanking. But I think there's part of this whole thing that has more to do about us than it has to do about other people, right? Like, the hair dyeing, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Or, like, the decisions that you make, like, letting your kid get in a car with somebody else else when they're a new driver, right? Like some people would be like, I can't believe you let your children do that. Oh, people get upset that I've sent my kids in a lift. Right. Or in a subway by themselves. To me, that has more to do with that person, right? The person who is shaming you, it has much more to do about them and their own anxiety, their own feelings of guilt, whatever is going on with them, right? Like I feel like that has a lot to do with yes. them. And there might be a little bit of fear. However, I I'm trying to separate this out because I feel like these larger issues like spanking and discipline, like vaccinations, like healthcare, all of those things, those to me are less about like what you can learn about yourself when you look inside and more just about people believing in things that are old school or just plain old false. You know, like <laughs> the other thing is, listen, here's my number one big trigger, which is bigotry and racism. To me, there's no two sides. There's no understanding. There's no it's very hard for me to find empathy when you're taking your kid to a rally where you're forcing them to chant, send them back along with the crowd. Right. Right. Or kids right. are wearing like F your feelings, baby t-shirts or whatever. Like I have huge issues with that because I think you're teaching kids something that's morally reprehensible and there is no other side about it and that is my sanctimony no but <laughs> issue. those are moral issues like again like I just don't think that like hair dyeing is a moral issue and so exactly let, let, it's a exactly. little different it's a little different like there are yes. some things that are moral issues and then there are some things and let's talk about them so there are a lot of shaming topics when it comes to like parenting that are not necessarily moral issues they're just like this whole super Choices. sanctimonious thing so of course technology and like, I'll raise my hand. Like, I can totally get sanctimonious about technology use. So, like, raising my hand right now—that is a huge shaming topic for me of other people. But, you, <laughs> but the difference is how you approach it. We have an Out Tech Your Kids Facebook group. Yes, which you should all join. By yes. the way, because yes. you're all raising kids in the digital world, whether they are six months old or eighteen. Like, this affects all of us, and it's a great place. And by the way, we've had to adjust our group rules recently to make sure that people in the group are considerate to others and have a tech positive view 
you because it's not a place for shaming. No, it's no. a place for really no, no. good, helpful advice from people. You know, we're on this together. But it's an easy topic to shame people on. Exactly. Like, let's be and honest. we see that Huge. once in a while. Like somebody will jump in and as the group gets bigger, it's like we don't know everybody in the group and you don't know who all the people are and where they're coming from. But there'll be a lot of screaming in all caps like, how dare you get your kid a and like, we'll just boot that person out. So <laughs> even though you feel sanctimonious about certain things or feel like you want to shame somebody for, you know, well, I got my baby an iPad and they look at it in the stroller and they're nine months old and that way I can have dinners out all the time. Like that may trigger you. But the issue I think is how we handle it and how we talk about it so that we're not just saying you're a horrible parent or you're a jerk as a way for you to feel like a better parent. Yeah, it is how you deal with it. And also, like, at this point in life, you just realize, like, why bother? But the thing is, I think people get confident on social media, right? Like, they're confident to, like, roll up into Jessica Simpson's Instagram because, like, she's not going to, like, search them out. And they're going to leave a comment because it's anonymous and they don't care. Like, it's way different, I think, when it's face-to-face or like when you're with a group of people, right? Like the internet and social media give people and have given people more confidence in shaming parents because, again, it's like a safer way to do it. And there's everything, right? There's weaning, there's breastfeeding, there's daycare, there's working moms, there's night nurses, there's like yeah. too many activities. It's like over and over. There's so many things that parents can be shamed about and can shame other people about. And I I think it's important to acknowledge that these are choices. These aren't questions of morality, as we were talking about. Like, whether you overschedule or underschedule your kid, whether you're scared to let your kid ride the subway or you let them ride the subway alone at nine, those are not moral issues. Those are parenting choices. And I I think it's really important to distinguish because I think we are all so insecure as parents that it's understandable why we're looking to set ourselves apart as a better parent, as that article mentioned, like as a better person with more virtue by calling out the bad behavior or the perceived bad behavior or the different parenting choice publicly. Yeah. And look, parenting is a thankless job. There are no awards. There are no celebrations of being awesome. And I think Sometimes there are many people, and I see this so much on social media, right? We were sharing so much of the amazing things that we're doing. And sometimes we're pointing out some of the things that we're shocked to have seen because it makes us feel better. It makes us feel like we're doing a good job with our own kids because, quite frankly, no one really hears that. Like, very rarely does someone come up to you and be like, you're doing such a great job as a mom. Like, no one really says that to me. And certainly your kids aren't telling you that. And you know what? That's why I don't... Don't get angry about people who share all their kids' positive milestones and great things on social media. I love it. I feel like if you can't be proud of your own kid, like, what can you be proud of? I understand when someone seems like they are oversharing and they're like, my kid did this today and they did this and they won this award. I'm like, go you. Brag about your kid. Because what that person is looking for is acknowledgement. Like, I'm a good parent. I'm doing okay. They're looking for their tribe. They're looking for that positivity and support. And I think that's human nature, right? It's totally natural. And so instead they get shamed for like bragging about their kid too much. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, I Listen, like there's so much of this that you really can't win. So I think we should talk a little bit about how to handle it because we've both experienced it. I'm sure so many of you in one way or another have experienced it. So here's what we do, right, Liz? Like this is what we do when this situation happens to us. And we put it out there because we have a podcast. We have Cool Mom Picks where we have written a bit about our parenting choices. And we get it, folks. Like, we get it in the comments. We get it in emails, in tweets. So In anonymous forums that we don't even check. All (laughs) sorts. So the first thing is to really, it's hard to do, but don't take it personally. Yeah. Like, it's not really about you. You know, I've always repeated that Anais Nin quote, which, in fairness, to give credit, Anais Nin was actually paraphrasing an adage from the Talmud. And what she said was, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. That's amazing. And I've talked to my kids about that, too, as they get older and they deal with like people on social media. I said, people don't see you as you are. They see you as they are. And we've had talks about what that means. Good Socratic dialogue, Kristen. In other words, know that what somebody says 
says more about them than about you. And by the way, they may be right and they may be wrong. It doesn't matter. It's coming from a place of self-definition. So if somebody is shaming you for doing something awful, maybe it's because that really triggers something in them. Or if they're shaming you for something that seems like a silly, easy parenting choice, like dyeing your kid's hair tips pink, again, that says something about that person. And if you think about it that way, it helps you not to take things personally. Yeah. It's not about you. They may not even know you if it's on social media. I love this. It's a good reminder. You don't have to respond to anyone. You don't owe them an explanation. You can just get out of the situation, especially if you're in person. But hey, you can delete. You can block. You can do all of those things. And I know that there are people out there that are like, oh, you're just going to block? Like, you're not going to blah, 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 blah? I don't care. I don't care. It's my space. This is my feed. Adios. Done. I, I do to. too. My personal feed, Mom 101 on Twitter, is a lot more political than parenting these days. And I just block very liberally. And you know what? I'm very happy in a Twitter bubble where people are not mean to each other. That's fine. Like, you don't have to feel bad about that. It's a little harder, though, when we're dealing with shame from people in your personal life. Absolutely. So if your mother-in-law is giving you a hard time about breastfeeding in front of her, because that's, again, it's coming from maybe a place where she grew up in a time where people didn't do that, and so it makes her uncomfortable. Or if you're dealing with the know-it-all parent that makes you crazy, who's always telling you, like, what to do and what not to do, and that you're doing it all wrong and you're going to ruin your kid. Like, it's harder to remove yourself from the situation. In which case, I would say, here, point number three, you can tell them to stop. <laughs> yes. Like, that's yes. perfectly reasonable. Totally. So while you don't have to respond, you can also tell someone to stop. If it's a close friend or relative, tell them how you feel. You can say, you know, it's really hurtful when you do this. Or you can say, I feel like you're implying that I didn't approach this thoughtfully or I didn't think about this first. You can also pull people aside to do this, not just in person, but on social media. So sometimes somebody says something that makes me uncomfortable and instead of calling them out in the Instagram feed, I'll DM them and be like, I just want you to know that blah, 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 blah. And, you know, usually we get to the bottom of it and we work it out and they end up being grateful that I didn't engage them in a public squabble. So tell people to stop. Absolutely. You don't have to be aggressive about it. Just be assertive. I always feel like it's good to start with I statements. I feel statements really help. So instead of saying you, which puts people on the defensive, just say, I feel blank. I feel hurt. I feel sad, whatever it is. And that I feel attacked. Can, yeah. Those things really help make the situation not escalate. Um, I love this tip. And that is that if you do respond to people, especially when you're like texting or social media-ing, type and then erase your first three responses or 30, depending on how angry you are. <laughs> <laughs> I actually talked about this when we have, you know, we have our live book club chat on Facebook every couple weeks. And we did one about Angela Santamara's book, Radical Kindness, a couple weeks ago. And those of you who heard the podcast with her on it probably have heard this already. But we talk about, you know, how to put more kindness out in the world. And one of the ways you do that is by slowing down your response time so that you are responding instead of reacting. So if someone is shaming you, like the idea of like, I erased my first comment, because my first comment is like, yeah, well, F you too, you know, sure, <laughs> that's like what's sure. in my head. And then I erase that and be like, well, thanks for your feedback. But you know, like I can work my way to a better response. And it actually helps deescalate the situation generally. And <laughs> sometimes it has the good effect of kind of throwing the shame back on the person who tried to shame you. Like I love the differentiating between responses and reacting. I think that's something that our kids need to learn as well. It's hard in the moment. I think it's what's nice about social and texting and you can delete, which is great. It's harder when you're in person. But I do like this idea of responding versus reacting. Um, we yes. should definitely talk about empathy. Yeah. Right. So this is hard again to do when you're feeling attacked. It's really hard to go to an empathic place when someone is coming after you. But again, if you can kind of take a step back and think maybe they had a bad day, maybe this is something personal that something happened to them. Who knows what's going on with them that is making them come off in a way that's shaming you. Yes. And again, Angela Santamaro writes about that a lot in the book, Rod 
radical kindness, about responding with empathy. And sometimes it's really hard when they have really, really different beliefs than you. True. Like if it's the vaccination fight, you know, to recognize. And again, it doesn't mean you agree with them or you even sympathize with them, but acknowledge that they truly believe that vaccines are hurting kids. Like it can help you know how to respond because you just yelling at them is not going to change their minds because this is a deep seated belief. But if it's something superficial, like dyeing your kids' hair, for example, Kristen, <laughs> go back to the original point, you know, and someone's yelling at you, you need to stop and think what's going on because most likely they don't have some like deep seated fear of hair dye. <laughs> it's more likely that they're insecure about themselves as parents. Jealous. That they feel the need. Like, like, look, the same way we said that shame was used to like keep people in the tribe. It's good to recognize that when you're shaming someone else, you're probably trying to find your tribe also. You know, that person is looking for likes and thumbs up and support for like, yeah, you're the one parenting the right way. So if you look at it that way, it removes the onus off of yourself. And you know, again, that this is coming from them and says more about who they are than about who you are. Right. And then that actually brings up the next point, which is find your tribe. And maybe you can help them find theirs. There's someone for everybody. There are groups that are dyeing their kids' hair when they're young and not dyeing their kids' hair, like super conservative, super liberal, whatever you want to find, you'll be able to find your tribe. And you know what? Like, it's kind of like this idea of you living in a Twitter bubble a little bit, Liz. Like, the same thing. Like, it's your right if you have a belief specifically about, I don't know. I have a belief that children should not be raised to be hateful, racists, and bigots. That's what I believe. And so <laughs> my Twitter bubble is not about disagreement because I, I follow a lot of people I disagree with all the time or have different beliefs or different shades of beliefs than me. What I don't have tolerance for is hatred and bigotry. Right. But again, like, hold on, because you're talking about the moral issue stuff. Like, I'm talking about people who are like, I want to nurse my baby until they're five. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's no tolerance for, like, hatred and bigotry and racism. Like, that's just across the board. But, like, I'm not a super fan of nursing past the age of two. Like, I did it up till two. But, like, people who choose to nurse or do, like, baby-led weaning and stuff, like, not my jam. But there are tribes for you. And people can find their tribe. And you can yes. find a tribe of people who formula fed or who weaned before a year. And similarly, that doesn't mean to cut all those people out of your life either. Like, so I just want to clarify the whole Twitter bubble idea, right? It's not about only surrounding yourself with people who believe what you do, but finding a tribe so that you've got a subset of people that you can go to if you need to talk about certain issues where you need people who are like-minded, right? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. People get super defensive about this idea of creating a safe place for yourself. And I think that's okay. Like, I think it's wise and very smart to be able to listen to differing opinions. And I know that you follow a lot of people who disagree with your politics, but you still follow them because you are an enlightened and informed person. But there are some people out there that don't want to do that. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's a bad thing when you try to then talk like you know what everybody else is thinking. Exactly. That's exactly. the problem. So if you want to surround yourself like and not have to deal with that crap, that's fine with me because honestly, yeah. I can't. My delineation point is kindness, really. And in fact, I've had to cut people out of my Facebook life, even though I knew them for a long time, because they could never respond to anything without being snarky or sarcastic or being contrarians. I have no problem with like friendly debate, but I want like nice people in my life. Like if it makes me stressed out and angry, if I feel like that that person is always trying to create guilt or shame in other people. Like, I just don't want to be around that. So it's not about disagreeing. It's about if your tribe is kind people, then find them. If your tribe is extended breastfeeders, like, find those people. You'll get the support you need when other people are attacking you. Exactly. You know, I think this is a good and kind of complex topic. We could do a whole episode, Kristen, on finding your tribe, actually. Yeah. Maybe we should do That's that. That's true. Okay. Apologizing if they have a point. I, You know, I have to disagree a little bit with you about this one because I just don't feel it's necessary. Like, I don't, mm. especially right away. Like, maybe later you could be like, you know, like, I just, but I don't think you need to apologize. Remember, we, we've talked a lot about how sometimes, in many cases, we say sorry instead of saying what we actually mean, which is like, yeah. excuse me. And so I think for me, this is one of those cases where I wouldn't necessarily apologize so much as I might acknowledge, which I think is a different thing. Acknowledging that someone has a point is different than apologizing. If they have a point. If they have, if a, they point. have a point. But I can acknowledge it, but I don't need to apologize. For me, 
there's a distinction there. Like, I don't think you need to apologize necessarily. For me, it's like, oh, okay, I appreciate that you have a differing opinion or thanks for sharing it or no thanks for sharing it. But I acknowledge that you are different than me. It's like agreeing to disagree, you know, like, yeah, let's agree to disagree. I think this is one place where we agree to disagree, Kristen, because I think there's been times that, for example, on social media, I said something that completely came out the wrong way and it read people the wrong way and people were like attacking me or trying to shame me for it. And I would have to stop and look and be like, you know what? I'm sorry that hurt you. You're right. That was not my intent. And I'm going to work on that. And I think in cases like that, it's good to acknowledge when you realize you were wrong. I think sometimes we're so fast to defend anything we say that it's good to be introspective. And if you think they do have a point or if you hurt someone, you know, like, let's say someone was saying to you, how dare you let your kid drive with a teenager who just got their license? Like, wouldn't you love it if that person was able to turn around and be like, I'm sorry, I really didn't mean to question your parenting skills. That's not what I intended. Oh, yeah. I mean, as the shamer, I'm talking more as the person who was shamed, right? Like, I didn't, as the shamer, then sure. I think that apologizing if you did something or said something that was out of line or might have been misconstrued, definitely. I guess I just think it goes both ways. Like if the person has a legitimate point, not if they just have a different opinion, but if you think they bring something up and you're like, wow, okay, I see that in myself. I didn't recognize that. Or particularly if you did something that might have hurt somebody, like I'm always willing to own the mistakes. But I know what you're saying. It's very complex and nuanced and it kind of depends like exactly what we're talking about. Like I'm not going to apologize for vaccinating my children. Right. But also (laughs) I think like we're going to talk next about how not to shame. And I think to me, that's where like the apologizing might come in, right? Like if you did. Uh, But like if I'm the one who's been shamed, like I can acknowledge like, okay, I get it. Like, you disagree. You don't think I should dye my kid's hair, you know, before they're, I don't know, married or whatever. (laughs) I can acknowledge that, but like, I'm not going to apologize for doing it. I think that that's like the distinction I would make. But of course, we should say this is the next point. Don't dwell on it. Yes. Don't dwell on it. This is most important, I think, is like how to handle being shamed. You just can't. Like, we, I think, particularly as women, and I've done research about this, let's say, when we used to write our personal blogs, Kristen, sometimes you'd write a post and you'd get a hundred comments that were like, go you, you're awesome. This is great. I love this. And one person going, <laughs> well, I think you're an ass. Yep. And sure. like, you know what? That's like six years later, that's the comment you remember. Like we can dwell on the one negative thing and forget that a hundred people were saying positive, supportive things. So I think it's really important. Like shame is so profound and so long lasting. Remember, going back to our original point, it's tied to abuse, right? Yes. So it makes sense that you could like remember the stuff. And that's partly why on social media, I'm really fast with like deleting and blocking. Because as soon as I get that person out of my sight, literally, (laughs) the sooner I just forget they even existed. So when people are like, hey, hey, snowflake, like you're blocking, I don't even know who's saying that. I don't think about them. They don't cross my mind again. The world is a better place without them in my brain. (laughs) So I agree. Don't dwell on it. Yeah. We all have to really think of self-preservation. And that kind of goes back to the bubble. It goes back to deleting comments. It goes back to surrounding yourself with people who agree with you. Like there is some level of self-preservation. Again, if self-preservation is then not allowing you to learn and to further your wisdom into like what other people are doing, that's a whole other level, right? Like there is a level of people and their children and sometimes they're adults who are just like, I can't learn anymore. I'm right. This is how I am. I'm surrounding myself with these people and that's it. I love that. It's like a higher level of learning, though, when you're able to say, I can surround myself with people who disagree with me, like you said, people who may not be on the same side, but know that I'm not going to take it personally. I know that it's not about me and I'm going to be able to let it go. And I think we need to remember this when it comes to our kids, especially. Yes. Because that is a very hard skill to have. That is not an easy skill to be able to do. And if you're struggling with dwelling on it and you can't let something go, just remember, you know what kind of parent you are. Yes. You know how thoughtful you are about your choices. Like, I'm hoping that Jessica Simpson walked away from this fiasco thinking, well, look, I've had 800 million hair and makeup people in my life that I asked about this 
before I proceeded. Like, she knows she's, like, a good, thoughtful parent. Then you can, like, let go and kind of shrug off all the negative things people are saying because you know who you are. That's tough. Let me ask you this. Do yeah. you feel like social media, the internet in general, which we love, we love both of those things, so don't get us wrong. Do you feel like it's really exacerbated this whole thing? Because I remember, like, Ryan Reynolds or somebody was, was wearing their baby wrong and then someone else had their car seat. Mm. And, you know, that center clip was a little too low and, like, the internet just, like, went crazy. And let's be honest, like, I don't know about you, Liz, but, like, I've done some things that were not probably accurate or correct or, like, could have been corrected by other people in my life as a parent of four children. Thankfully, nothing happened. They weren't super dangerous. These weren't, like, life-threatening things. I'm not holding my baby over a cliff or anything. But I feel like social media has really exacerbated this. Do you agree? Like, do you think that it's way worse than it was because you know, people I, are posting? I think it works both ways. So I think that what's hard is now the shaming is public and it's not just public figures. Uh, like okay. anyone who puts themselves out there or like, look, anyone who's doing something on a subway, right? Or out in public or in a park and someone else turns a phone on you yes. can be like the victim of like massive public look at shaming. This mom. I can't believe she's letting her child go barefoot in the park. Totally. Totally. So I think that's kind of what's scary is okay. that even when we go out in public, that what we do as parents is up for observation and commentary from like literally anybody out there with a social media account or a phone. And you know that's what's interesting scary. is like it's really the only thing if you think about it. Like if someone's a plumber and they're like fixing a water spout in public, people aren't like walking up to them and going, I don't think you're turning the wrench the right way. <laughs> You know what I mean? Some and people they're, not, do like, that. they're not like talking to each other and going, did he really use an Allen wrench? I think he needed to use a screwdriver. Like, it's so funny, isn't it? Like, everyone has an opinion, except like, it's just, it's crazy That's to really me. funny. Um, <laughs> yes, but you know what? I think social media works both ways, too. Because when you see Ryan Reynolds get yelled at for carrying a baby wrong or something, I think that helps tons of parents, whether they're commenting on those threads or not, go, ooh, I did that wrong once, too. I'm so glad it's not just me. So I think it helps you find your tribe. It helps you find community. And it reminds you that you're not alone. So basically what you're saying is that you find that you have something in common with Ryan Reynolds, which means when he gets <laughs> divorced from Blake Lively, he's going to be calling you up and being like, girl, you held that baby the wrong way and the baby carrier too. Let's get it on. Is that what you're saying, Liz? I think that's what I heard. It's, I would like to say I'm a little more like Christy Teigen in that sense. <laughs> in fact, you know, we did a post that was really funny last year about like our favorite times. I think it was called six-time celebrity moms clap back at mommy shamers and we all said hell yeah it's funny we'll link it up and it's about people like Kate Beckinsale or Halle Berry who took the time to say something like hey y'all here's how I'm parenting and like too bad and they were really funny about it I love so that. I think for every terrible engagement on social media where people are attacking someone there's also the stuff that makes you feel like really empowered and positive and part of a community of other imperfect parents which we all are I love the way that you're looking at that. And what's interesting is you don't often hear those people. Like, they're not like, I put my baby in the car seat wrong, too. Like, but there are a lot of us in the background nodding. So let's just talk a little bit about how not to be a sanctimony. And you mentioned, which I think is so important, is that we need to assume value, right? Like, we need to believe, and I believe that people are inherently good, for the most part, certain people, but that that they did their research, right? Like, they did their research, or it was a desperate moment, like, the candy bar was like, I've got to get out of the house, like, I've seen parents giving their kids M&Ms, and like, guess what? As your kids get older, like, you will do some crazy shit that you did not think you were going to do, and you're giving your kids Skittles in the morning, and you're thinking back to that moment when you saw that mom do the same thing, and you were mean, yes. and you're like, damn, Absolutely. Assume value actually was an expression I learned when I was working in ad agencies. And like clients would come in and look at the work you presented and automatically like rip it to shreds. And we say, listen, come in and try to assume value. Assume that we just spent 24-7 for like <laughs> six did. straight weeks working yes. on this and that yeah. we're bringing something good to the table and come at it from that way. I always liked that expression a lot. And I try to approach, you know, engagements with other parents online and off that way. Like assume that that person also loves their kids 
kids like you do. And so before you go, well, that's why I don't let my kids play Fortnite, like assume that maybe that parent has made a thoughtful choice the same way you did and just came to a different conclusion. Right. And then if they have, here's a great way to approach it is to ask questions, right? Get more information. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, Liz, but one of the ways to actually disengage our amygdala, which is your worry brain, and get back to your prefrontal cortex, which is like your thinking logical brain, is to be curious. So if someone is anxious, if someone is feeling upset, it can actually help bring them down by asking them questions and being curious. So I find it fascinating that you brought that up here because they're, it's very disarming. When you ask yes. someone questions genuinely and legitimately, it can disarm the whole situation. Tell me more. I'm really curious about that decision. Talk to and me about that. And not a question that. disguised as an attack point, Exactly. But like a legitimate exactly. question. And I learned this from my mom who teaches Socratic dialogue in schools with teachers and with even elementary and high school and middle school kids. She always says to me, well, maybe you need to get more information. And I think that's really good. So when someone says, I, ba 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 then maybe you can say, tell me what kind of research you did. Like, how did you come to this decision? Not in an angry way, in like a legitimate way. And right. you might get more information and you could be like, oh, I was going to attack them for being an idiot. And now I realize, oh, wait, they actually are a professional hairstylist and did the research about peroxiding the ends of their kid's hair and found that X, you know? So you might actually learn something and it may change your own attitude. So before you attack someone for like letting their kid have a phone when they're 12 years old, maybe you need to say, well, what helped you make that decision? And you might find we just had a death in the family and we needed to be able to reach them at any time. You know, there may be a whole backstory that you're not aware of. Absolutely. And it helps enlighten us all. And again, it goes back to empathy and being more empathetic because now we know a little bit more about what's in that person's head. So we talked a little bit about this idea that not everything is for everyone. And I think it's important to differentiate here like moral values and like child safety with this one in particular. But just because you wouldn't do it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. Like certain things, just because you wouldn't do baby-led weaning or you wouldn't do baby-led feeding or all those baby-led things out there doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean it's right, but there is a point there where it's not your place to shame them, right? Of course, there are certain deal breakers for me, <laughs> like spanking, <laughs> and then you're just all wrong. But you know, <laughs> overall, I think for the things that we've been talking about, like formula feeding, daycare, all of those things, just because you didn't do it or you did do it doesn't make it right or wrong. And by the way, homeschooling, yeah, community college versus for your private yes. college. Like there's yes. so many big things, allowance, chores, responsibility, vacation time, whether you have a nanny, whether you work full time, whether you work full time, even though you quote, don't have to financially, like there's so many big issues besides yes. just like the baby stuff. And like, I think it's really important to know that kids can come out okay yes. in all kinds of different family situations. Absolutely. Like, there are kids who worked from when they were 16, and there were kids who didn't get jobs until they got out of college, and they can both grow up to be productive, wonderful, thoughtful, benevolent members of society. Yes. <laughs> Let's look at the big picture. Looking at the big picture, I think we don't, yeah. we don't have that on our list, but definitely looking at the big picture is so important. But also, this is a great place to end this whole discussion, is really looking at yourself. Yes. I think we talk about this at the beginning. So I feel like this whole thing has come full circle. But really take a look. Like, what are the reasons that you might be feeling this way? Are you jealous? Are you afraid? Does this make you anxious? Just remember that there are no bad feelings, right? Like, any feeling that you have is valid. It's not bad. But what happens next is what you need to look at. Like, how do you act on them? So if you're like, dude, she shouldn't be dying her hair. I'm going to blow up her Instagram. Okay, then that became not cool. Well, but again, you need to think about why am I feeling this way? Right. What did we talk about with Angela's book? Like when you go to leave a comment, ask yourself, first of all, does this need to be said? Second of all, does it need to be said right now? Yes. And third, does it need to be said by me? Oh, and if you can so ask yourself those three questions, it yeah. really, really helps you. I know that's been going around the internet for ages, but I really try to keep that in mind. That should be printed out and put up on I know, a wall. I know. Isn't that good? In the classroom and in our home. It should be really. at the top of every single social media feed. Like where it says Instagram at top and the date and time. It should also say, does this need to be said? Right. If so, by right. me, if so, now. Well, meanwhile, Liz, let's be honest, like th- there would be no social media 
social media if people answer that question, but we'll carry well, on. Yeah, they need they need the like shaming and the fighting for the page views. So Sadly. Uh, maybe that's like the last thing. Yeah, is if you are engaging in uh, shaming fights, know that you're just helping contribute to someone's bottom line. They want you to fight. <laughs> They want you to fight. It's all about the drama. It can help you defeat capitalism and big tech by, by lessening your shaming comments. So we talked about a lot. I think this was a great conversation. We mentioned a lot of links. Keep in mind, everything that we talk about on our show, from the topics in our discussion, from our awesome sponsors to our Cool Picks of the Week, they're always all on coolmompicks.com. We have a special podcast page that we put up every week, so you can find everything there. And speaking of which, we will be right back with our cool picks of the week after this. So Liz, I love finding new awesome books. And it's kind of funny. We were talking about mommy shaming and questionable choices and being a parent. And hey, our sponsor is Don't Wait Up, a new book from comedy writer and producer of Two Broke Girls and the King of Queens, Liz Astra. I am so happy to support this because, first of all, we all need more laughter. You yes, always we do. say, as a mom, if you weren't laughing, you'd be crying. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> and then also, I love supporting books by women and mom authors. So that fits right into our wheelhouse, Kristen. So it's really cool when our sponsors are the stuff that we would support anyway. Yes, absolutely. This is a soul-bearing and honest look at parenting and relationships for moms. And I love this, okay, who realize that motherhood doesn't have to be your entire life. It's just an amazing part of it. How great is that? Yes, I love it. And this is why I think it's good for our listeners, <laughs> because she writes that some women feel that motherhood is a calling and their purpose on earth. And, you know, I got that because we feel that way sometimes, too. <laughs> but some women manage to make pregnancy look effortless. They bring out the beauty in a screaming child and keep their backseat of their cars as spotless as their kitchens. And then there are women like Liz Ostroff who originally had children because, quote, everyone else was. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, uh, yeah, she's probably a little more like me than the moms who keep the backseat of their car clean, for sure. It's a blunt, very funny book of essays about the realities of motherhood. I think it's great for fans of all the, like, humorous essay books that are out there, especially Let's Pretend This Never Happened from our friend Jenny Lawson. So if you want to grab Don't Wait Up by Liz Ostroff. It's available now. It's published by Simon & Schuster, and you can find it at Amazon.com, of course, because that's where people buy books these days, or support your local indie bookstore wherever you get your books. So, Kristen, I'm really happy that Ritual is back as a sponsor as well, because as you know, I continue to be a Ritual user. I love this. And they're obsessively researched, which I think is code for data nerds. So exactly. these vitamins were made for you, Liz. This is the longest I have ever stayed with a vitamin in my whole life. <laughs> for real. There's something, they're like a little minty yes. when you take them, and it kind of makes you look forward to taking them. Like, I hate those vitamins that just taste vitamin-y. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, or I like know the what you mean. Soil capsules that taste like fishy, and then you feel like you're burping up fishy stuff all day. Really gross. This does not happen <laughs> with Ritual. You kind of don't even notice anything. It's just like taking two little minty things in the morning, and then you go about your day. And, and so I, I really like that. We got to take better care of ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, we're taking care of everybody else, and this is just a super simple way for us to take better care of ourselves. And I know, like, so many of us try to eat healthy, and that's great, but most of us, we're not getting what we need. Especially those day. of us on the other side of 30, yeah. 40, and beyond. Like, you know, you start to feel your mortality and you're like, I need to do better. I need to take care of myself. I need to be healthy. So um, I was like, I want to get on a vitamin routine. And for real, because Ritual was our sponsor a while back, I actually used our own discount code and ordered it. And now I am also a client. That's amazing. And, you know, for just kind of like the data nerd people out there, they're vegan certified, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten and allergy-free, which is amazing. And they contain nine nutrients in one single pill. And that's a big deal because I know like if people out there are like time to take the vitamins and it's like a huge handful, like I just can't hack that. So the idea that you only have to take two is awesome. Yeah, you just take them at once. And it does include that omega-3, but it's actually vegan. It's from algae as opposed to fish oil. Oh. That kind of reminds me of those like weird pharma ads on TV where they're like, derived from jellyfish. I'm like, is that a good thing? Like what they say, it, like it's so positive. Like we've just been out there waiting for a jellyfish derived pharma med at some point. So anyway, this is not derived from jellyfish. It is derived from actual vitamins. And then the omega-3 is from algae, which I think is actually kind of cool. It's like sushi. It's like sushi in a pill. <laughs> 
well, like kind of. Sushi is fish, Liz. But anyway. Yeah, but the, uh, the outside, the wrapper is seaweed, right? It's yes. sea plants. Okay. Sea plants, All right. Kristen. This is why we do a podcast and we're not making vitamins. <laughs> But we are happy to be endorsing Ritual as yes, our sponsor clearly. because I use it myself. I think it's really good, and I want you all to be healthy. Yeah, be so healthy, listen, women. if you want to be like Liz, here's what you do because we be have like an exclusive me. offer for 10% off for your first three months because, by the way, they get delivered right to your door so you don't have to go to the store. They come right to you. So you go to ritual.com slash spawned to start your ritual today. You'll get 10% off your first three months. That's ritual.com slash spawned. And by the way, there are other ways to be like me, but this is one of the more healthy options. Okay, it's time for Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And Liz, did you see what I put up on Cool Mom Tech today? I don't know, because you did sleep no, in. No, because I woke, <laughs> I woke up late, and I was like, we gotta do a podcast! I, I know, oh my gosh! And run into the closet. No, what did you put up? Okay, so I have to say, lately, my Facebook ads have been super on point. Like, they basically know me so well now, which A, is super scary, B, kind of fun when you're in the mood to shop. And so it's been like, awesome mascara, cute pantsuit. And then God, today, I'm getting push-up bras. Oh, ooh, <laughs> you, what the heck? That's like depressing. That's not nice. Why do I need a push-up bra, Facebook? Okay, so today I found Sugarfina, who we love. They're awesome candy. Yeah. They are doing a collab with Nintendo, and it is so oh cool. They created these super awesome boxes that look like the old consoles and the old... I'm looking right now. It's like Dude. the 8-bit Mario and 8-bit yes. Toad. They're really it's cute. It's so cool. And the boxes actually play music. And then, of course, the little boxes of candy that we know Sugarfina for are very themed, and they look like the boxes in the game. So if you've got a gaming person in your life, you are going to want to snatch these up. They are some of the coolest and tastiest gifts for gamers that I've seen. So I was just very delighted. Oh my gosh, I love this. It's so cute. I'm going to add this to our um, birthday gift guide. Yes, it's really good for a teen or a tween. So anyway, that's my cool pick. Liz, what about you? So last week, I wrote about this really amazing nonprofit effort called Kids Take a Stand. And it's got a little pun there, Kristen, because it's about kids having lemonade stands to raise money for the kids who are separated from parents at the border and help kids feel empowered by the sad stuff they're seeing on TV. And the coolest part is it was organized by moms, of course. Yay, The moms. Lawyer Moms Foundation. While it's over, I think that you can still do this anytime. Yeah, why not? If you go to their website, lawyermomsfoundation.org, or just go to Kids Take a Stand on Facebook, you can get information. The proceeds were benefiting KIND, which we've talked about a lot before, Kids in Need of Defense. You can do it yourself. Even though it isn't officially the Kids Take a Stand weekend anymore, I think through the rest of the summer, this would be just such a cool thing for kids to do for those kids out there who are feeling sad and want to do something positive. I love Kudos. it. I saw that. And it was a little late for me to do that weekend. But when my kids get back from camp and vacation, we are definitely going to do this because they've wanted to do a lemonade stand. So I That's love great. this They even idea. have like printables you can print oh, out to help make your stand look great. And we have some uh, lemonade and snack recipes on our site in case you want to like raise more money. Anyway, I just think it was really nice. Like kids love doing lemonade stands. And it's one thing to raise money for yourself, which is always good. But I think kids just love being able to do good things for other kids. And this is so smart. And kudos to the moms who helped start this. Awesome. Bravo. So we will link everything up over on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. Well, Liz, this is it. Another episode of Spawn. Yay! Thank you so much for joining us. Hope it was helpful for you all. I know it was helpful for us. And a huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. So there are a few things you can do to show your support of Spawn. And they're very easy. Here we go. Get ready. You can subscribe to our podcast. You can actually do it right now while you're listening. And when you subscribe, what that means is that when we drop a new episode, which is usually Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, it will pop right up on your phone. So you won't have to search it out. You won't have to try to find it. It'll be right there. You can also download and save our episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell a friend about us. Maybe even two friends. Right, Liz? You know what else you can do? You can even get like six friends and you can dress up like cheerleaders and eat each put S-P-A-W-N-E-D across <laughs> your chest 
and like put that all over social media to show your support of Spawn. I'm counting Spawn. You did that math really fast. I was like, is it six letters, <laughs> seven letters? I'm impressed. And of course, if you do that, you get to be our next guest. Yes, you do. I'll just put you, that right You out get there. to be our next guest on the Spawn podcast. <laughs> and of course, we have our podcast community on Facebook. I just posted a really heinous photo of a new nail trend that you really need to go. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. You need to go find us, Spawn Podcast Community on Facebook. We talk about silly things, important things. We drop our podcast there first. So head over there. We would love to have you join us on Facebook. Yeah. In fact, even on our Facebook page, we even have a couple of members chiming in right now, giving their own suggestions about what to do about mommy shamers. So that's helpful. And I bet that will keep going. I think so, too. Well, thanks for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.